Welcome back to Season 6 of Fintech for the People. I'm Rahil Rangwala, Managing Partner of Axion Venture Lab, your host this season. Axion Venture Lab is a leading early-stage fintech fund that invests in innovative businesses, building financially inclusive solutions for customers in emerging markets. Our guest today runs the JobTech Alliance in Africa, and I'm excited to learn more from him about how platforms are changing the nature of work on the African continent. Thank you for joining us today, Chris, and welcome to Fintech for the People. Thanks for having me, Rahil. My name is Chris McClay. I'm the Program Director at the JobTech Alliance, working for Mercy Corps. I've been doing this for just about a year or so. Before that, I was the Global Director of Youth Employment at Mercy Corps, and I've basically spent the last dozen years of my career in the kind of youth employment and adjacent space, including for three years, I was the COO of Link, Kenyan gig matching platform for blue collar workers, plumbers, beauticians, that sort of thing. Awesome. Great. Well, excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for making time. I would love to hear a little bit more about that Mercy Corps and, and, and the mission of Mercy Corps and then around employment and if there's anything in particular around financial inclusion as well that you guys focus on. Yeah, so Mercy Corps is a, you know, one of those big international NGOs working in over 40 countries. And it's pretty hard to have like a one approach fits all model for working in so many different markets, which range from Afghanistan to Kenya to Colombia. So um, there's quite a lot of diversity in our work and our programming. One thing that is consistent in our work related to economic growth is a big focus on working with the market and with existing market actors. So in some cases, this could involve working with more traditional financial institution to develop new financial products that could work for youth or for entrepreneurs or that sort of thing. But then we have a few departments of the organization that are really focused on kind of emerging tech. Um, one of these is Mercy Corps Ventures, which is a venture capital arm of Mercy Corps that invests in fintech. It used to in, invest a lot in job tech, and we, we expect it to invest uh, more in job tech again in the future as well as kind of running pilots around crypto and emerging technologies in areas related to financial inclusion. The Job Tech Alliance is a more emerging or, or recently emerged department of the, the organization focused on the space that we call Job Tech, which is the role of platforms in connecting people to livelihood opportunities. Think gig matching, think job matching, think e-commerce set up as a ecosystem building initiative a couple of years ago and has really kind of gained quite a lot of traction since. So maybe I'll give you a little bit of the origin story to kind of explain where it emerged from. The reason that it came into existence and the kind of early ideas came when I first took on this role of global head of youth employment in Mercy Corps, where Mercy Corps had been doing a lot with platforms that nowadays we would call job tech platforms. At the time, I think each project used a different name. Some people called it tech-enabled youth employment. Some called it digital jobs. And the fact that they didn't have a coherent name is probably a pretty good indicator that, that there was something lacking around a viable ecosystem or a viable sector. But while Mercy Corps had done a number of things in this space, it had never kind of added up to more than the sum of the parts. It was not moving the needle on the space that we now call job tech in the sector. And I was given this task of working out how we could be more strategic. And I spoke with you know, the 100 smartest people that I knew across Africa in this space from, from my time working in a job tech platform myself. And what was very clear is that it was 
a really, really challenging sector, a really challenging space that needed a lot of strategic or systemic intervention. But it was very hard to be strategic in a sector that wasn't yet really a sector, right? It was this fragmented space of e-commerce on one side, you had kind of the HR or kind of job matching space elsewhere. And everyone recognized the role that technology had to play in employment and the future of work. But they were all using different languages to talk about similar but adjacent things. And it was clear that there wasn't really a sector, there wasn't really a space. And the Job Tech Alliance initially was set up after kind of six months of a working group of, you know, the smartest entrepreneurs, funders, accelerator type people that I knew in the space. And, you know, we decided we needed to help build this ecosystem. It needed to be a collaborative endeavor. It needed to have a name. So we kind of came up with the name, with the words Job Tech to kind of put a nail on, on an emerging space. And it launched in late 2021 with a budget of zero dollars and we kind of did everything that you could do for for, for free or with the, the time of, of ecosystem members itself so we started with a newsletter some write-ups of experiences of entrepreneurs in the space you know we hosted some some webinars some meetups and it's really evolved quite a lot since then where we now have two kind of quite coherent work streams the first of these is all of the soft side of ecosystem building. So that's around community building, research and learning. We have meetups. We have a range of community groups where entrepreneurs can share their experiences with each other. We've recently set up something called the Job Tech Investment Network, trying to get funders, both investors and philanthropic space to, to gain a better understanding and visibility of what's going on in the space, what's good in the space. And kind of that first work stream around all of that kind of soft side of ecosystem building is complemented by a work stream where we do a range of different acceleration activities with um, job tech platforms across the continent. These could be very early stage, um, where we're really trying to help the core business, or they could be much later stage, for example, working with Jumia, the kind of e-commerce giant of Africa, where we're helping them with a very specific opportunity in a very specific market that is Uganda. But our big goal in this acceleration work is it's not just helping the business in itself to, to grow as a business, and it's not just helping that business to create more jobs. We always work with these startups with a learning objective so that we can filter back what is working and what is not to the rest of the startups and the rest of the kind of community members to help kind of advance the sector. Just to kind of explain a little bit of our problem statement where we began, right? In the fintech space where kind of you guys have worked for a long time, it's a, it's a rich ecosystem that has podcasts like the one that we're speaking in where, you know, you have podcasts and meetups and WhatsApp groups and conferences. And it means that generally you have entrepreneurs and you have people in the space building on the shoulders of those that went before them and sectors, a sector that is broadly thriving and going in the right direction. Job tech has never had that. We're seeing, we have been seeing entrepreneurs failing for the same reasons for the last kind of five plus years. To give you a little anecdote, after I left Link, um, which was this gig matching platform for blue collar workers, I was asked to be on Africa, the steering group of Africa's first future of work accelerator. And I had to review eight applicants. Four of them had Link's business model, not our kind of 2020 business model that was still struggling a little bit. It was our 20 kind of 17 business model, the one that kind of abjectly failed very early and we had pivoted four times from them. 
And that was just a sign of like what was lacking in the job tech space that existed in you know sectors like fintech and like edtech. And we, you know, recognizing that the future of work is job tech largely. You know, the, the role of platforms is going to be absolutely critical in the future of work in Africa and beyond. We needed to help build a lot of that kind of supporting ecosystem that would enable a sector to both enable quality businesses that can scale and for those businesses to create quality jobs for its for their users. Well, it's actually exciting to hear you talk about some of these concepts because I, I couldn't agree more. I think the the opportunity right now is is very exciting when we talk about future work and platforms, right? This is really revolutionizing how those entering the labor market are actually ex- accessing earning opportunities. I have two questions, you know, based on what you were just talking about. First is, when you say that Job Tech Alliance, who are the stakeholders in this alliance? Like, what are the kind of stakeholders that you're talking about? Because I would assume it probably is a large array of different characters. Absolutely. There's a lot of people who are interested. We kind of recognize five segments of our kind of community population. The first of which, and which really we describe as our nucleus, is the startups and the entrepreneurs themselves. Startups could also mean kind of bigger and more established platforms, but kind of number one is the platforms themselves. Number two is the funders. And as mentioned, we see kind of the the role of investors and the philanthropic space, both having very critical roles to play. Thirdly, we recognize the accelerators, incubators, kind of support organizations working in this space. You know, one of the critical things we've learned in the job tech space, which is common in other sectors, but, you know, copying Western models doesn't work that well. And a lot of the support organizations say, hey, you know, Thumbtack did this in the US. And, you know, that that's often been very kind of tricky to, to replicate. The Fourth segment that we recognize is the support or as the um, supply side organizations. Now, this is all of the training institutes. And while they are not kind of in many ways key actors in our ecosystem, they all face the same challenge, which is they all struggle. You know, they train, train, train and struggle to connect people to jobs. And they kind of they recognize the role of that platforms play. And the final one is a pretty big one, um, which is researchers, government, multilaterals. You know, everyone that is interested at kind of what does this really mean for at a much bigger level? What does it mean for policy? What does it mean for driving forward a sector? So those are kind of our five groups. We see the, the platforms as our nucleus and, and the first stakeholder, but each of the others have play critical roles and we need to engage with them in different ways and kind of help their work in different ways. So the other term that's getting fairly popular, and you used it a couple of times right now, is future of work. And it means, I don't think there's a well-defined term. It's not, it's not a well-defined term. It means slightly different things to different people. So yeah, what does it mean to you? Like, how do you think about future work? The future of work, it indeed, kind of mean, means everything. For, for me, in the context of, of, of where I'm working in Africa, it's, it's a few things. The first one is new types of work and types of work that didn't exist before. Of course, you know, this can mean the huge world of digital work that that wasn't really present in Africa a decade ago, be that freelancing or be it, you know, creators 
producing products digitally and for international audiences. So kind of the types of work is certainly one of them. Secondly, and this is really where we see the role of platforms, is the way that people find work and the way that work is mediated. And kind of frankly, if if we look at like Western economies over the last few decades, I'd say probably the biggest shifts in you know the future of work from then to now has been the role of, of platforms and the role of job tech, right? 20 years ago, there were job boards, but nowadays it's hard to find someone in, you know, find a job in, in or a gig in most Western markets without it in some way being mediated by a platform. And very closely connected to this, you know, it's easy thinking about the future of work as jobs, but recognizing that a large amount of work in Africa has always been self-employment rather than wage employment. So kind of these are the themes that I engage most with in this kind of future of work language or narrative. I almost think of it as almost like a redefinition, I mean, of work. And you, you, you mentioned this, which is this recognition that work is not necessarily wage employment, self-employment or gigs, which actually have been around for a long time. But I think there's now more of a recognition that what work looks like is not what most people in the West have traditionally seen work to look like, which is your nine to five and a steady wage and you know, you get your weekends off as opposed to doing multiple gigs during a week. And, and that's, that's a very different paradigm. And it's a huge paradigm shift, which brings me to my, my next question, which is, you know, as this, because of the shift that's happening, and it's also a recognition of the shift that's happening. And I, I, I will be a little bit more specific given your experience in Africa. I'd love to hear your perspective on what does this mean for youth that are that are entering the job market today or in the next couple of years, given that this shift is happening in the nature of work? On a very immediate and practical basis, we need to recognize that that kind of traditional model where you train someone for a job that they then do is, is, is probably, not that it's bad, but it's insufficient. We need young people to not just learn a thing, but learn how to learn because they're going to need to keep learning a lot for this kind of emerging and changing changing space. I think it's going to be really important they learn how to navigate platforms, that they learn how to navigate a mixed livelihood, right? It's difficult to manage multiple gigs or hustles, right? It's not that you just turn up for work and your paycheck is paid at the end of the month, you know, understanding which hustles might complement each other well to give the financial upside, but the resilience in case of shocks, right? There's a, a whole new kind of like learning experience for, for young people entering this job market. I would say I am a little bit scared about the future of work that there won't be enough jobs to accommodate particularly like growing populations in Africa, you know, in, 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 in a lot of Europe and North America, you have skills shortages or, or, or rather like staff shortages, but with hugely growing populations in, in Africa with a fundamentally reduced need for labor compared to the past. This is firstly just with, you know, automation of, of, of manufacturing and all of this, but with generative AI, a lot of the kind of lower service sector jobs that we thought were going to come to Africa in the next year or two less of them are going to be coming. So I think there's implications that are very immediate that we can work on, right? Helping young people to 
be prepared for this mixed livelihood. I also think we really need to be having some big conversations about where that next billion jobs are going to come from, because kind of the present, I can't see where those billion jobs will come from. To go back to your earlier point, which is this youth have to prepare themselves differently and, and they'll be working in a very different environment. And, and try to connect this to something that we at Axion Metro Lab look at frequently, which is financial inclusion. What is, and do you think that the financial needs of this new segment of, of workers, will it be different? And how do you think entrepreneurs can, and solve, can address some of these issues? I want to give one context point before answering that, which is in the job tech space and as the job tech alliance, we always say that we don't think job tech is a perfect solution and is always good. We believe that job tech platforms have the potential to increase quantity of work, right? You know, there are unquestionably more taxi drivers now than there were before Uber existed, for example, right? It, it, you know, job tech can create new jobs and create new sectors. And, and we're excited about that. We think that it can improve quality of work by increasing standards, increasing pay, increasing kind of a range of kind of the dignity factors. We think that it can, you know, improve inclusion in a big way, right? Particularly in, in contexts where there might be prejudice across gender lines, sometimes across ethnic lines, you know, the role of the platform can really take away a lot of those barriers. So we, we think that job tech can improve on quantity, quality, and inclusivity. We also have seen that job tech can create really bad quality work. It can create whole new barriers to inclusivity if people don't have, you know, access to technology or, or other things. So as the Job Tech Alliance, we always say that job tech can be great and, and, and can also be bad. And what we care about is helping to like steer that kind of emergence of a sector towards the, the great things and particularly help it to avoid going down kind of blindfolded um, the bad routes. I say that in the context of like financial inclusion because I'm really excited about what job tech can do for financial inclusion, not just in terms of the ability to access work and therefore have money, right? The first, you know, the first thing of financial inclusion is having money in the first place, right? A lot of fintechs look at how money is used and how it rotates around in the economy, but getting it into the pockets of people in the first place is the first step of financial inclusion. But I also get very excited about the potential of job tech platforms to play a role in access to financial services, right? You know, you know much better than me the barriers to access for, for poor people to access traditional financial services. Well, a lot of job tech platforms offer alternative credit scores that one always dreams and, and, and desires to have an insight into how much someone is, what is earning, to have an understanding of the regularity of their income, the size of their income. And even having a means within which to offer the financial service or to, you know, take payment for the financial service. So we've seen that job tech platforms have in different markets played a really significant role in being the channel within which either financial services can be extended or that they can be the kind of data source by which financial services can be 
offense. Would you feel comfortable, like maybe giving a few examples of that and maybe naming a few organizations that you're seeing that are, that are scratching the surface or have a good idea and doing a good job, given the breadth of experience and exposure you have? Absolutely. I'd really recommend checking out CGAP's recent work on this space. They've collected a really great series of case studies, platforms seeking to embed, either create their own financial services or partner with others. And they have a nice series of case studies as, as well as some learnings. And, and one thing I would say that, that I've found interesting, having participated in a bit of that research, is I think there's really strong examples in, in South Asia and Southeast Asia where we have kind of these mega platforms. Could be things like Ola in the ride hailing space or Go to in the everything space um, in, in Indonesia. And when the data is rich enough and big enough, there is, is much more opportunity to identify what the, the financial services should be. In Africa, we've seen less examples. And it's largely because we haven't, for a couple of reasons. One of them is that we've seen less, we, we don't really have mega platforms in, in quite the same way in Africa. And Secondly, a phenomenon that is, is, is common in different places, but particularly in Africa, is that multi-homing. Not, one person is not earning their whole livelihood from one platform. They're often work, you know, every Uber driver is also on Bolt, is also maybe on Glovo. And any individual platform actually struggles to, you know, identify enough data to be able to meaningfully use that data as, as an alternative credit score. We're actually, as the Job Tech Alliance, currently working with one fintech called Power and connecting them with, it's a Kenyan fintech, and we're connecting them with a Swedish data scraping company called Unveil to scrape data from multiple ride-hailing platforms so that Power can put together the Glovo data, the Bolt data, the Uber data to get that coherent holistic picture of one gig workers' um, livelihood. We're running this pilot right now to see how it goes, and we'll, we'll be able to tell you a little bit more in three or six months. But like that, that's an example of something that we're quite excited about, that's solving some of these like fundamental problems of multi-homing, as we call it, or when a single platform is not someone's you know, sole source of livelihood. That's actually, it sounds really exciting. Why do you think Africa doesn't have some of these mega platforms that exist Oh, yeah. Do you think it's a matter of time? So the short answer is market fundamentals. I'll give the long answer as well. Um, so J- job tech has been been really difficult in Africa, and one of the reasons the Job Tech Alliance came into existence is, you know, we are seeing a lot of excitement in this space, but we weren't seeing thriving platforms that were able to both scale and create strong businesses as well as quality work. And the market fundamentals of most job tech platforms are connecting demand for labor with supply for labor. What do we already have in Africa is unemployment. You have a a lack of demand for labor, at the very least willing to pay kind of fair fair rates and, and, and wages, and an oversupply of quote unquote, you know, low quality workers, right? Underskilled or, or, or that sort of thing. Layering technology in itself doesn't fundamentally solve that problem, right? And job tech platforms traditionally need to do a huge amount of work 
in order to overcome this supply and demand mismatch. This could be more on the demand side where you're packaging services in a way that is attractive to grow demand. It could be that you're taking on some of the operational or supply side burden of vetting workers or training them up or dealing with supply chain issues. But that involves you know, cost naturally. And when the demand for labor is, is, is not often willing to pay you know, fair amounts, and you know, as soon as it hits a platform, you're talking about like minimum wage and up, and most labor in Africa is under minimum wage and is illegally underpaid. But you have this challenge where platforms need to do a lot. Yeah, and then hopefully you can, you know, you're in a very good position to disseminate some of these learnings so people can leverage and not have to make the same mistakes themselves. I, I do completely understand the challenges in, in, in solving for demand and supply when there are fundamental things broken about these labor markets, right? And in and, and, and most emerging markets, um, and Africa perhaps is, a, is also reflective of those macros. But where do you see opportunity? So if there was an entrepreneur who is looking at this, and, I, and, and you're probably talking to already a, a large number of these in the ecosystem, what opportunities do you see in this job tech future workspace, as well as from a fintech angle, given all the challenges? Certainly, Teddy, from a a job tech perspective, the the kind of areas that we're most bullish around or with our acceleration work we're really focused is primarily twofold. The first of these is is really everything to do with digital work. And, you know, that means everything from the freelancing space and the kind of what you would traditionally call BPO or business process outsourcing, you know, the, the work that from customer service to receptionist that can be done for anywhere in the world. And we're excited about that because it's not demand constrained, right? Of those market fundamentals we were just describing, there is, is, is you know, almost infinite upside if you can manage the, the, the supply side and at the right cost. So everything to do with digital work we're excited about. And that is not just that kind of more professional services space, but includes, you know, things like the creative industries where you know in africa for example like for the you know over the last five years culture has become a real really exciting export product for for africa and the ability of creators to monetize and and sell that um internationally is really exciting to us so kind of all of that digital workspace is exciting in part as well because it can have reduced operational complexities because it all lives online, when we're talking about moving into new markets, when we're talking about dealing with kind of the real life, we see just huge opportunities of of things being digital only. So that's kind of one area we're quite bullish about. The second area is is really everything to do with digitizing microenterprises, right? You know, already most of employment in Africa, as we've said, is self-employment, and it will continue to be. And we're seeing businesses making really interesting inroads to that space related to kind of digitizing. And, you know, while the first generation of e-commerce in Africa was kind of the juniors of the world with a centralized e-commerce model, you know, we've seen more and more of like the soccer watches and the market forces and the lezos and all of them taking that very different approach, which is that e-commerce is maybe going to be more of a B2B play because commerce in Africa supposedly is always going to end up at, you know, 
at the B2C stage is going to be, you know, on the micro enterprise stage. And, and we just see a lot of opportunity around that kind of digitizing micro enterprise space, right? The startups I've already mentioned, we're all focused very much on that retail segment, but we see opportunity in different verticals. And those are the areas that we are really excited about. You know, I, I kind of just to, to, to point out that there are other really difficult spaces, right? You know, I worked in the gig matching for blue collar space, which we see actors consistently entering and leaving and entering and leaving because it's so difficult. But if you succeed in there, that's a huge, huge market. Um, so I don't want to discourage, just recognize like it's hard. Anything you think from um, intersection to fintech? Some of these models that you've described, I mean, I can see some intersections already, but I would love to hear your perspective on it. Yeah, I, as I say, I'm, I'm really excited about the capacity of platforms to provide A, that you know, alternative data and B, provide a channel or distribution. I think that any fintech players looking to engage with this space need to design or get ready for working across lots of platforms. You know, in certain markets you know as, as, as soon as you've got your your three big clients you're capturing most of the market and that means a very different kind of product where you can adapt, adjust it hugely based on each of your clients and you know your sales process is just seeking out a few whales we see in the job tech sector we count uh, we, we did a, a, an activity with brighter bridges recently where we counted 1,007 job tech platforms in, across the continent. The vast majority are, are, are very small. And we think they'll also continue to be small. We think whereas kind of in, in the US, you might have a few much bigger platforms that achieve huge scale with these very thin margins. For the operational reasons I was just describing, we think in Africa, you're likely to have more platforms operating deep within individual verticals at maybe smaller scales. And this means that if you're building to work with these platforms, you need to work out how you can have a kind of off-the-shelf product as opposed to doing you know, the normal customizations or like heavy sales process that you might need elsewhere. So I, I think that would be really important for fintechs looking to work with actors in the job tech space. That's great advice. The other critical stakeholder, of course, is the investor ecosystem. And they too are learning about the space. Some have experience, some are curious to learn more. What's your advice for investors who are keen to dip that toe or build a portfolio? I think a really important point for investors is, you know, I think when we talk about investors, we often treat it as like VC. Um, and Kind of a big theme for me around investment in the job tech space is recognizing that VC isn't necessarily the financial product that is most needed or, or, or that is going to be most successful for a lot of platforms. There are absolutely VC backable businesses. And for those, I think the critical piece of advice is, you know, really just understanding this, the operational complexities of every one of these businesses. I think, you know, people try to copy Western models and they say, oh, we'll do it by hand till it hurts without recognizing that there isn't going to be this big, you know, 
miracle leap to automation later, a lot of the time that the hurting is going to continue. And does that therefore have 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 kind of the scale or the, the automation journey that you'd anticipate? So I think that's the, the critical thing to really understand from a VC perspective. But I, I really think that other forms of capital have, have big roles to play. If we're going to see more smaller startups recognizing that not all of these platforms or not a lot of these platforms are going to achieve exponential growth. Um, what types of capital could create jobs and create quality businesses, but that might go deep in individual verticals and can earn revenue through not just delivering the service, but through the supply chain and extension of financial services, but they're deep in individual verticals and they might not be exponential growth. And looking at what type of capital might, might make more sense there. I also think the role of the philanthropic space is going to be important because it is a difficult sector and where there is the opportunity to identify those you know, shared value opportunities where, where both the VC and the philanthropic space could come in together on an individual investment. As the Job Tech Alliance, we recently set up something called the Job Tech Investor Network. If you're listening and are keen to get involved, please let us know. We're trying to play a role. Um, it's very, very new, but over the next kind of months and years, we want to play a role of starting to have some of these conversations of how can we bring together the philanthropic money and the kind of more traditional VC money to collaborate to move this sector forward. Because it's it's not as simple of a VC solution, I think, as exists elsewhere. Yeah, no, our ecosystem building is never simple. And, um, you know, definitely another shout out to the investor aspect of the, the Job Tech Alliance. So if there are investors listening and are curious about this, I hope they do follow up and participate because I do think combining different forms of capital is definitely has a multiplicative effect and um, would help the whole ecosystem. Chris, it's been fascinating having you on the podcast. So thank you so much for your time. I, I've enjoyed listening and learning from you. And I, I honestly could ask you uh, 20 more questions, but uh, I, I want to be respectful of your time as well. Thank you so much for participating and joining us today. Tune in next week to hear from Stella Klemperer of Flourish Ventures, a leading early stage investor on how they think the future of work as part of their investment strategy and what they've learned from the market.